Praise the Lord on today, everybody. This is Minister Anthony Bonner of Truth Turned Up Ministries, coming to you live today on the podcast with a word entitled, The Perfect Will of God. The Perfect Will of God. In the book of Romans, in the 12th chapter, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, and prayerfully the Holy Spirit will give me wisdom, guidance, and a deep understanding to share a message on the podcast today that will be liberating, that will be uplifting, that will be enlightening, enlightening, and will also do a deep impartation into your inner man that you may have a greater perseverance, a greater push, a greater understanding, which will lead to a greater surrender, that you may experience a greater manifestations of God's presence and power in your life. Because God did not send his only begotten son to be the sacrifice on behalf of humanity for us to live a mismal or minimal existence. A supernatural God interjected himself into a natural world to redeem humanity, which was deemed and doomed for hell and eternal death, forever being separated from God, which was not his plan, that they may be reconciled to him in a perfect form, being holy even as he is holy, being redeemed completely from the hand of sin and from the annihilation of all of the tactics of the enemy and even from themselves. So it should be our purpose each and every day as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to get a deeper understanding as the wisdom of God is bestowed upon us that we may be sanctified, set apart, plucked out, of the refiner's fire that we may be the light that the world is waiting on not only in word but in deed and in divine purpose that people may drink freely from our fountains and be empowered to overcome the things that this life and our adversary in this life purposes to destroy us and to distract us and to keep us out of the full will of God. We're talking about the perfect will of God today on this podcast. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We know that the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. We know that all of the Apostle Paul's writings are very similar in their content. They're very intentional. And they're very direct in terms of the cost of following Jesus Christ. Paul talked about uh, crucifying ourselves in the book of Galatians 2 and 20, that I am crucified with Christ. Paul talks about how he counts, that he counts all things as dung, that he may gain Jesus Christ uh, and the knowledge of him. Paul walked away from everything being a Pharisee of Pharisees, being born into royalty, being born into deep religious tradition, Jewish tradition. He counted it all down because now he had encountered a freedom. He had encountered a liberty. He had encountered a purpose which superseded any purpose that he himself thought was uh, ordained for his life or any of the purposes that he had been exposed to in many of uh, the Roman uh, leaders in, in, in the uh, Roman Empire or also in the religious system that existed during his day. Paul had never encountered something greater than what he had received on that day on the Damascus Road from uh, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom he had been against all that time, but yet not out of maliciousness or anything, just 
purely out of ignorance. But now that he was in his right mind, he says, I beseech you, meaning I'm urging you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. Therefore, he says, brethren, he's talking to the fellow members in the body of Christ, the fellow believers at the church called Rome or in Rome at the church. He's telling them the Roman believers. He's saying, I'm begging you, therefore, as a result of, he's saying, in alternative to, brethren, by the mercies of God, the mercies meaning God's unlimited goodness toward them and us today, that there's no limit to it. It's mercies, not mercy, the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now we know what a dead sacrifice is. You don't have you don't you know you don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to have a, a degree from a uh, institution of higher learning to understand what a living sacrifice is. He's saying present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is the watered down version, and not even watered down. It is a lower version of Jesus saying the same thing which he said in Matthew 16 and 24. If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul is simply talking about the cross and he's putting it in language that we can understand. The cross is you presenting your body a living sacrifice, coming out of the world, being about your father's business, which is the perfect will of God. Not your will for your life, not the world's will for your life and not your talent's will for your life, but God's divine will for your life which is to be a laborer to go ye into the harvest because the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. God is looking for divine workers knowing that the workman is worthy of his meat and the laborer is worthy of his hire. That you can pick up your cross and deny yourself because God will supply all of your needs. This may not be your experience. This may not be something you want to hear and it's surely not something that the masses will receive because it's so comfortable to stay in 21st century Christianity to absolutely just talk about what Jesus did and what Paul did and Peter did and Matthew and Luke and many of the other great men and women who presented their bodies a living sacrifice. But in our culture, it's just acceptable to talk about it and know about it. It's sufficient to have an emotional response to it and not a divine encounter with it. You see, our culture is not taught to lay down our lives, to go to the bottom so that God can take you to the top, to separate yourself from this cruel, carnal, sinful, perverse, adulterous generation. No, we don't want to walk along with the Lord because we find it more comfortable. And I'm saying we as humanity to get in where we fit in and we fit in with the multitudes instead of being uh, part of the group that is not only called, but also chosen. So he says, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Wholly acceptable unto God. Meaning I can't just give God anything. My partial surrender, my partial commitment, my partial understanding is not holy and it's not acceptable. It's 21st century Western culture Christianity. It's modern Christianity. I can come raggedy in sin. I can stay in sin. And I can never mature and get out of sin. Yet I'm still allowed to serve in leadership positions. I'm still allowed to be viewed as acceptable in God eyes in the modern day church. And we want to know why there's no manifestations of the supernatural because we turn a blind eye because we won't hold our brothers and sisters accountable. They say, who are you to judge me? Not understanding that when you're in the family and we share the same heavenly father and we live by the same standards, the same precepts, the same principles, the same commandments, the word judges you. And I, as a carrier, as a as a carrier of the word, I, as a 
disciple of Jesus Christ, I as a defender of the gospel like Paul, can share that word with you in love and you can reject it or receive it. You can be made the better or you can stay on the current course that you're on, which unfortunately is the portion for too many people in our culture who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. This is your reasonable service, meaning this is the minimum you can do. This is your minimum. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love not being a feeling, love not being an emotion, love being a direct action, a direct response to a need. Not just any kind of response, but the ultimate response. Like God gave his best to save that which was least. He created mankind in his image and likeness that they may be little gods and operate in the earth as a God, but yet they chose to do their own things and be their own gods, and God had to have a response, not just any response, because he had sent many other messengers on his behalf to share the message of redemption, of reconciliation. But none of those messengers were equipped or structured to be suitable to be the divine sacrifice. Only Jesus Christ Christ could fulfill that task. So it is our reasonable service to suffer with him. Yes, I said it, to suffer. Suffer means to allow God to have his full way in our lives. And if it leads to poverty, so be it. If it leads to sickness, so be it. If it leads to isolation from your family, so be it. If it leads to being fired from your job and being relocated, relocated, so be it. This is the cost. That's why he says in Luke 14 and 28, which of you intending to build a tower, sit it not down first and count it the cost, whether you have sufficient enough to receive it. But again, the standard of being a divine disciple of Jesus Christ and a worldly one is simply the supernatural manifestation of God's presence in your life. It says about Jesus Christ in Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost who went forth doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, when God is with you, you won't only just uh, store up treasures in earth because too many of us are fooled by the devil and we fooled other people who are not mature in the things of Christ thinking that God is with you only because your business is prospering. Only because you have things and you continue to amass other things. That doesn't mean God is with you. That's grace and mercy. The mercies of God is like that with many sinners in the world who don't even know him yet. He blesses their hand. He allows them to do things not understanding that the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. So you could be making money only because God's going to use your hand and your hard heart to transfer to those who really love him to build his kingdom. So what you think is for your good is actually God using you for the goodness of his plan to expand his kingdom. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Because he said your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. We're talking about the perfect will of God. In the book of Romans in the 12th chapter. 12 and 2 says. And be not conformed to this world. To be conformed means to be shaped. To take on the characteristics of. The attributes of. To walk in the likeness thereof. Knowing that the Bible says, cursed is the man that trusted in man and make his flesh his arm. If you're living from the arm of flesh, whether it's yours or someone else, the toil of your hand, the sweat of your brow, not in right standing with God, not walking in faith, knowing the just shall live by faith and faith alone, then you're conformed to this world. If your hope is only in the fact that your needs are going to be met, if you get up and work a 40-hour work week, then you're conformed to this world. 
Because I'm saying that, and I know that sounds hard, and people go, no, that's not true. The Bible says, be it unto you according to your faith, in the book of Matthew, the ninth uh, chapter, and the 29th verse. Be it unto you according to your faith. You can have such radical faith that God will supply all your needs, that God will do above and beyond anything you ask, think, or imagine, that God will meet you right there. Because God is looking for radical faith. God is looking for people that will transform the culture. God is looking for people that will be a light to restore those who are on the very bottom, who are living a very minimal existence, not only in the United States, but throughout the entire world where the gospel needs to be preached, must be preached, and shall be preached, who live this lifestyle apart from every other man-made and carnal system in the world. We're not conformed to this world. We're not conformed to its systems. We're not conformed to its expectations because we live by faith and faith alone. We live by the standard of the one who's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the one who's been given all power in heaven and the earth, the one who says, but I know what things you have need of even before you ask them, even before you think them. The one who says that the hairs of your head are numbered. He says that are not two sparrows so far farthing and not one of them shall fall to the ground without your heavenly father knowing it. That same heavenly father who knows the price of the sparrows and that not one of them is going to fall to the ground and has numbered every hair on your head and who's all knowing and all present and all powerful gives us the opportunity to live in such a state and place of dependence upon him that Matthew 18, 3 and 4, he says, except you be converted and come as a little child, become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see it. You can't even experience it because it's a supernatural atmosphere. It is above and beyond anything we have been taught or exposed to in our natural mind, in our limited, natural, sinful, dark existence. We must go to that next level. This invitation has been there for every generation, every generation. But many are called, few are chosen. And when people hear this type of word, it's so confrontational because they've built their towers, they've built their lives, they pick their wives, they pick their families, they think, they pick their homes, they pick their careers, they're, they're saving up for retirement, they got the Range Rover in the garage, they got the kids' education, they got the closet full of designer stuff. You know, they're important. They're modern day Christians. They're winning because God is blessing them and he's not blessing the people across the street or around the corner in the same way. So they feel favored, not understanding that the Bible is a supernatural book for a supernatural people, that I am the financial planner in the world because I have the wisdom of God. I am to be the doctor in the world because I'm connected to the great physician. And he says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 1 John 2 and 20 is very clear when he says, but you have an unction from the Holy Ghost and you know all things. My connection, my reconnection, my laying down my life as a living sacrifice, my refusal to be conformed to this world qualifies me to receive this divine impartation from God, to partake of this treasure which is hidden in the field, for which when the man he's found thereof, for the joy thereof, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. The same thing with the merchant who's looking for the goodly pearl. When he's found that pearl, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that pearl. That is a living sacrifice. 
I am emptying myself out so that I may be refilled. I'm going to be refilled with something divine, something wonderful, something too beautiful to even speak of, something unknown, something that's been resisted for ages, something that will be refused right now. It will make war with your soul. It will make war with your spirit. It will make more war with your mind. It will make war with your reality because it is a false reality. And when you hear these words, you get offended. When you hear these words, you try and bring God down instead of stepping up because you're comfortable where you are. You've been that way longer than the way God intended you to be. So now you're trying to find your way back home like the prodigal son. You don't have to take my word for it because one of the things we know about the kingdom of God as well as the word in general is it cannot be imparted or received only by uh, argument or persuasion. It must be given by revelation and the revelation is given to those who will deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow themselves and be totally separated from the world and have their mind renewed in such a divine manner that God takes soul possession of them and they become a new person with a new spirit, with a new mind, with a new heart, with a new purpose that is so deep and so profound that they don't even know themselves. They are one with all of heaven above. In them, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation, meaning a, a, a molecular, a spiritual, an internal, a divine transaction that happens right before your very eyes, even though you may appear to be the same on the outside. On the inside, something incredible is happening. There's a shift. There's a shaking. There's a real establishing there's a rooting going on down inside of you that you're being transformed that God is taking you someplace you've never been before God is restoring you into his original design for you because you've decided to come out so that God could bring you in you've decided to allow Jesus Christ to increase uh, that you might decrease and receive the full measure of the blood of Jesus over your life. So I refuse to be trans uh, conformed to the world, but I, I, I intentionally set out to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why am I going to do this? There is an end to this when I refuse to be tr uh, conformed to the world and I willingly accept to be uh, have my mind uh, renewed uh, uh, through transformation. What is the end game? The end game is that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? See, my life is proof that he is who he says he is, that he will do who he says he, what he'll do, that he is indeed the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that I can live just by faith, that God is faithful, that God will supply all my needs, that the blessings of the Lord do make it rich and addeth no sorrow, that my gift will make room for me, that when my ways does please the Lord, he'll make all my enemies be at peace with me. That weeping does endure for a night, but joy does come in the morning. That, oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them which fear thee, which thou hast wrought for those that trust in thee before the sons of men. Yes, this is all the word of God. It's in the book. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We are to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because God has a perfect will. Yes, he does. God has a permissive will. Yes, he does. And many of us are living in his permissive will in our lives that we have chosen to stay in the boat and catch fish. But the perfect will of God commands me and implores me and empowers me and invites me to launch out into the deep for a great draw. 
knowing that these fish, I didn't even throw out a rod. These fish, there was even no bait present. These fish were led to the net by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These fish were set aside for testimony. These fish were set aside that my God may be edified, glorified, and that his name may be magnified throughout the earth and all who will hear of the great catch, the wonderful things that he's done in my life, through my life, that they may see with their own eyes and their generation that his arms are open wide and that he's waiting, that the command still waits, and it's not even a command, it's an invitation in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Hallelujah. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the perfect will of God. This is God's invitation for mankind to come back, not some of mankind, all of mankind. Men try and stay at the lower level by saying that's not for me. I'm not called to be. I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to live that way. I'm called to live this way. And God says, okay, that's your choice. But how awesome is it that the disciples, even though they were regular fishermen before they were even disciples or they had other worldly careers or whatever, they accepted the challenge and the call to their divine vocations because they came in as, as regular uh, men of their day. And then walking with Jesus, they were promoted to disciples. And even after Jesus left and during his time, they were promoted again to apostles, the highest office in the heavenly realm. God is still doing the same thing today. He's still anointing and choosing and raising up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Teachers, these are the greatest callings in the world. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and 12, it said that you might, work, that you might walk worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and his glory. That you might walk worthy of God, laying down your life as a living sacrifice in the name of Jesus. Being aware of the constant mercies of God. Realizing that this is your reasonable service. That when you deny yourself and pick up your cross, that God's going to establish you in holiness. Because this is the only thing that is acceptable unto God. That you will deny yourself and all that are around you trying to get you to uh, be conformed to this sinful, selfish, dying world in the name of Jesus, that you will choose and be intentional to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may have divine thoughts that out of your mouth, oh, Heavenly Father, that God may use your mouth and that his words may flow out and they may be butter and honey to the dry and thirsty and hungering souls that you will encounter, that you will have living bread to give them from on high. Yes, you will. And that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God because you've experienced it for yourself. The book of Psalms, verse 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. My brothers and my sisters, as we come to a close, we pray that you will stretch yourself and allow everything about yourself to be torn down so that, you, that the new you, the transformed you, the divine you may come forth and that not only the world, but your family, your neighborhood, your household, your community, your city may be made that much more the better because one has dared to be all in with God, not partially in. That one will deny the American Jesus 
and seek after the Jewish Jesus, the Hebrew Jesus, the Jesus that is a spirit, the Jesus that seeks the earth for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth, not according to tradition, not according to denomination, not according to our low level of understanding and expectation in him. But we may once again return to the divine state in which God originally created Adam and Eve, in which they graciously fell from, but his divine mercies has restored whosoever will. In Jesus' name, amen. The perfect will of God.